It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. And we're coming to you live from the Billy C Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C Show. Good morning, good day, good evening, whenever you're listening. Hope you're doing all right. We got a busy show scheduled for you today. But first, today's show is being brought to you in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant, located on beautiful St. Simon's Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com. Or give my man a call, 912-268-2328, 912-268-2328. And don't remember, I mean, don't forget, don't remember, don't forget if you're listening in the uh, WGIG Brunswick area uh, on WG, what, 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 what was in my coffee today? If you're listening in the Brunswick area on WGIG, yeah, 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 that's it. And you haven't been to Sal's? What are you waiting for, man? Go over to St. Simon's, go off of Frederica, and stop by and find out why I go all the way to St. Simon's to get a decent slice of pizza. Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by Gawk Box. What is it? Well, uh, interesting question. It can uh, save you some money, get you some stuff for free, and it helps us out. So, hey, it's a two-way street, basically. Check out our website, www.billycboxing.com. And click on the Gawk Box banner. And speaking of our website, check out the C-Palms. We're going to be doing an event in August, most likely. And uh, we got uh, all kinds of uh, great stuff going on. Uh, it's a weekend. Uh, drop me an email for pricing and information. Uh, or better yet, just call the C-Palms and uh, just mention the Billy C. Boxing event. And they'll give you all pricing and all that happy stuff. Uh, we're going to have a uh, golf tournament. We're going to be showing the fight that none of us want to see, but we're going to make it fun. We're going to have a meet and greet with uh, some uh, uh, former uh, uh, fighters and uh, current fighters and all that stuff. Uh, uh, it's going to be a great time, so uh, come on out. And uh, we're also going to be doing a special uh, um, boxing show, which we'll tell you about later on, but uh, it's going to be a weekend full of fun, fun, fun. Yeah. Until your daddy takes the T-bird. Oh, no, no, that's different. That's different. But uh, check it out, man. Go to cpoms.com for all the information. And finally, today's show is being brought to us in part by my book. Tom Molino from Bondage to Baddest Man on the Planet is available right here. We're all right now. <laughs> Tom Molino, Baddest Man on the Planet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, from bondage to the baddest man on the planet. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's available right now where all good books are sold. BarnesandNoble.com, Amazon.com. Get yourself a signed copy if you want. 
Uh, get yourself a copy. If you want a signed copy. Jeez. What the heck, man? I thought that was a regular cigarette I smoked. But uh, uh, bottom line is if you want a signed copy, visit our website, billycboxing.com. Coming up later, our blast from the past uh, features a former world champion and boxing hall of famer, Prince Nassim Hamed, uh, by request. And uh, also uh, joining us a little bit later uh, will be uh, uh, boxing hall of famer and New Jersey commissioner, Larry Hazard. Um, there was some fights last night we'll talk about. An update on uh, Manny Pacquiao versus uh, Jeff Horn. Uh, we also got some uh, news. I got some uh, quotes from uh, Mikey Garcia and Adrian Broner uh, leading up to their big fight. A lot of smack talk going on there. Uh, we got some emails to read. And uh, today's main question, because, you know, I, I, yesterday, after yesterday's show, I talked to several people, and I am shocked at how many people are actually interested in the Mayweather-McGregor fight. Now, I will say this. 99% of the boxing fans have no interest in the fight. But the, but the casual boxing fan or the casual sport fan, or let me say, and the casual sports fan, and of course, the MMA fans, all love it. They're all telling me, oh, I'm shelling out 120, no problem. I'll shell out 120, no problem, is what the, the words still stinging my ear. My question today, my main question today, is someone, please tell me how, how Conor McGregor can possibly beat Floyd Mayweather Jr. Just tell me how, all right? Because Floyd Mayweather has been in there if, if somebody tells me, oh, if he lands a lucky punch, Floyd Mayweather has been in there with some power punches throughout his career. Now, maybe we could be critical about when he faced him, et cetera, et cetera. But none of them have been able to put him down. None of them have been able to really hurt the guy. How can a guy who's never fought in a boxing ring ever on any level, amateur or pro, beat or even catch a guy, especially a guy that is all about defense, in Floyd Mayweather Jr. Just explain to me how. Joining me right now uh, is my main man, uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. And Sal, can you come up with an answer? I mean, is, how? How? That's like Indian talk. How? <laughs> Jack Dempsey? <laughs> no, it's not no. Jack Dempsey. But I mean, how can, Jack Dempsey? How, how, hey, can, listen, how can he do it? Let me tell you. Uh, how? How is going to be the question and what is the answer i'm telling you this let me ask you a question with a question is he allowed to use leg feints not contact but leg feints in other words let's say he uh wants to pretend he's gonna kick i don't see anything wrong with it and he's not gonna land anything and he better not touch him but can you imagine if he does a leg feint and mayweather almost expects it and then bam he hits him with a hook or overhand right that's what i would do but uh, I don't know. I, I think this kid's going to be uh, barking up the bad tree. Uh, Mayweather, like I said, I saw a clip. I saw I saw a boxing sparring partner with McGregor in the ring. And uh, like I said, this guy tried to emulate a little bit of uh, Mayweather style, uh, evading some of the punches and moving here and there and, and dishing out a jab with the right hand occasionally. And, and man, 
he tattooed McGregor. Like, I mean, he hit him at will. It was almost embarrassing. I said, this guy can't even go in a ring and look good. Um, so I, I, I really, it's got to be a farce. You hear, heard it here first. Farce with a capital F. And um, I don't think it's going to really amount to anything that's going to be uh, credible. And uh, we already know it's not, Bill. Uh, but like yeah, like I said, that's an interesting question. Can he faint with his legs? Uh, uh, as long as he doesn't make he contact. Of course he can't faint with his legs because they're fighting in a boxing, you know, I know, but rules. I mean, he, he, but think about it. What if he's got some a weird, unique style? He's on his feet and he, and he, and he, and he stutter step like he's going to kick or something. And Mayweather looks down like, hey, your shoelaces untied him. Bam! I'm just well, I'm wondering, speaking, that's what of, I would do. speaking of shoelaces, I'm wondering if he's going to wear shoes, boxing shoes. I mean, here's a guy that's you know, used to, uh, used to fight in barefoot. You know, now I don't know if there's going to be any kind of law, rule uh, that he has to wear uh, boxing shoes unless Mayweather uh, puts it in the contract. I, interesting. But the truth of the matter is, is for all you guys out there, you know, uh, drop me an email. If you think that Conor McGregor has a chance, which I don't think he does, but if you have it, if you think he has a chance, I, I just want to know why. You know, I, I mean, we'll, we'll probably open up phone lines tomorrow and Friday um, as this, you know, and I certainly don't want to be talking about this all, all the way uh, until August 26th. But, um, you know, I, I just, I'm shocked at the number of people that seemingly will say they're going to get it we'll get to that in a little we'll get back to that a little more let me just get some news out of the way right now real quick uh last night tuesday night fights uh once again we get a decent fight i mean uh, uh junior welterweight eddie ramirez uh improved to 17 and over 11 knockouts when he scored a 10 round split decision over eric bone who drops to 16 and 5 with eight knockouts uh 97 93 twice uh, was uh, in favor of Ramirez, and one judge had it the same score except for Bone. Uh, truthfully, the fight was close, and uh, to be honest with you, uh, you could have gotten it. I mean, it was a split decision, so uh, I think the score should have been closer um, than 97-93, uh, but uh, it is what it is. Uh, the guy that was supposed to won, won. Uh, also, uh, uh, in the featherweight division, Xavier Martinez improved to 8-0 with four knockouts uh, when he uh, beat previously undefeated Prince Smalls uh, over eight rounds. 80-71 uh, to 71 were the way all three judges scored it. Uh, Smalls drops to 11-1-1 uh, and one with four of his wins coming by knockout. And in the junior welterweight division, uh, Dennis Galarza uh, improved to 16-2 and two with nine knockouts when he beat uh, Omar uh, Tenada. Uh, over uh, uh, 10 rounds, 98-91, 99-90, and 100-89, to 89, all in favor of uh, Golarza. Uh, Omar uh, Tianda drops to 18-5 uh, uh, in that one. Uh, but how about this, Sal? How about some great news? How about, and we talked about, well, I, we should have talked about it yesterday, but it was announced uh, yesterday, uh, actually Monday, that uh, Manny Pacquiao, against Jeff Horn will be on ESPN on uh, July 1st, beginning at 10 p.m. Wow. Eastern time. So everybody here in the States will be able to watch it uh, for free. What's your thoughts? I think that's great. At least we get, get a freebie here. And uh, like I said, I'm not even really interested. I'm going to watch it, of course, but uh, I, I really don't care. The only fight I wanted to see Manny Pacquiao come back and do was the one 
that McGregor's got the opportunity to do. But that's it. I think that the uh, that the Pacquiao Horn fight is going to be better than people think. I, you know, Manny Pacquiao. I mean, Manny Pacquiao is not the same Manny Pacquiao, and no. Jeff Horn is going to be fighting at home in front of his uh, uh, fans, and uh, you know, we'll see what happens. You know, so uh, uh, Manny see Pacquiao, what Manny Pacquiao versus Jeff Horn uh, on ESPN uh, July first, beginning at ten p.m. So. Uh, uh, there's that. Uh, the WBA scheduled a uh, purse bid uh, for the rematch between uh, Jamie McDonald and Librario Solis. Uh, the uh, purse bid uh, is set for uh, July 3rd. Uh, both uh, of the groups can, uh, um, you know, negotiate up until then uh, and, you know, try to reach an agreement. Otherwise, it's going to purse bid. 120000 is the minimum bid. Uh, the way the purse gets split, 75% for the champion, who happens to be Jamie McDonald, and uh, 25% for the challenger. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. Um, Sal, we got uh, a, a pretty decent uh, fight coming up between Adrian Broner and uh, Mikey Garcia. I got some quotes that we'll read after the break, but I just wanted to say one thing. Now I know you love, I know you love when we have to follow the bouncing. Yeah, I know I love ice cream too, but I know you love when we have to follow the bouncing boxing glove when it comes to the WBA and all of their champions. Um, yeah. But uh, I want to know this: uh, Bebot Shumanov, who was uh, considered <clears throat> the WBA's regular. Uh, world uh, cruiserweight champion, not to can be not to be confused with Denis Ledebev, who is their super uh, world cruiserweight champion. Um, Shumanov apparently has an eye injury that uh, is preventing him from continuing his career, so he had to give up his title. So the WBA decided, uh, since they've been promising us to get rid of uh, all the uh, BS titles, they took their interim. Uh, title holder, uh, Unier uh, Dortikos, and they elevated him to the regular old champion. Now, their super champion in uh, well, and Dennis Ledebev. Wait, wait, hold on. Their super champion, Dennis Ledebev, he's fighting Mark Flanagan uh, in Australia, and then the winner of that fight has to fight Unier Dortikos. <laughs> so I want you to repeat the whole thing to me I, I of what's going on. Wait, wait. So you got a linear champion, you got a world champion, you got a super champion. Well, I mean, I thought the world champion is the super champion. No, no, is no, that, no. Is you don't anonymous or is that nothing? Is get it two the word, belts? Get the word linear out of there. It's their regular champion. They had an inter, interim champion. Interim. And they yeah, have interim. and they there have their interim, super. That's the word. They have their super. So they they uh, the the regular champion gave up his title. The interim yeah. champion slid into the regular champion spot. The super champion should. is defending his super title against uh, Flanagan. And then the winner of that gets to fight Dortikos. Hold that thought, Sal, because we're going to take a break. It, It'll give you a chance to, to separate it, dissect it, and then give me a decision uh, in about two. Billy C. We'll be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. C. 
interact with the show at billycboxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, just before we went to break, uh, Sal and I were trying to follow the bouncing boxing glove concerning the WBA and their cruiserweight uh, division. Uh, all we know is uh, they got a whole bunch of champions, right, Sal? I got who? Hey, oh, yeah, few, few too many, man. Yeah, way, way too many. I got a couple of uh, quotes here. We got a big fight coming up between uh, Adrian Broner and Mikey Garcia. It's a fight that I'm looking forward to. Uh, um, you know, at first I, I really thought that Broner, um, you know, he's getting another chance here to uh, to show us his stuff. You know, he, he seems to show us a lot of negative things outside of the boxing ring. But I, I can't help but, you know, remember when I thought that this was, you know, uh, a super rising star. Uh, in the lightweight division, and then everything just came a tumbling down. He steps in with Mikey Garcia, who, you know, is the best example of a blue-collar, bring-your-lunch-pail kind of a guy to the gym and, and work his ass off. I mean, that's the way this kid works. You know, uh, seems emotionless at times, uh, but uh, gets the job done, and, and depending upon his level of opposition, uh, performs well. I got some quotes I want to get your thoughts on, Sal. Uh, first, okay. uh, Adrian Broner uh, says, I'm training hard, and I think this will be one of my best performances of my career. This will take me to the superstar level where I need to be. I heard Mikey's a big favorite. They aren't giving me much of a chance. I hope no one puts their house against me on this fight because it won't work out well for you. He says, uh, five to one, uh, and then he uses a bad word we can't say on uh, the network anymore. He says, uh, this is... Uh, uh, just a time for me to step up. After this, I hope I can get my due diligence. I'm a bad man. I'm coming to F him up on July 29th. I will be victorious. After July 29th, this is going to be a coming out party for me. Um, you know, it started off uh, as, at least to me, Sal, sounding like, you know, he, he's working hard and, and he's trying to do the right thing. And then he reverts back to his... Uh, himself with i'm gonna Bingo. do this i'm gonna do that what's your thoughts on uh, uh adrian broner's comments about the upcoming fight between he and mikey garcia i think he is going to implode i don't think he's going to do much of anything and i think it's going to be the opposite of what he's professing right now i i really don't think he's going to be able to rise to the occasion and be the superstar that he thinks in his mind he deserves to be he could have been i think he he could have been. That's the whole he thing. He could have been. Well, that's yeah. it. He could have been. But it, it's this kind of – I could tell by the by the characteristics of, of, of where this conversation or his talks, his his words are coming from. It's almost like a false bravado uh, in a sense. And, and I don't think – I think he's gone too far off the reservation to come back. And that's my opinion, Bill. It's it's subject to me, just my opinion. I think he's been too far off the track, off the mainstream and off the reservation to really get a grip and get back on track the way he could or he should. But I don't think it's going to happen because I think he's a loose cannon upstairs in the mind. And your mind can make a heaven out of hell or a hell out of heaven. I think this guy likes drama, uh, rhetoric, confusion, and chaos. And, and that's the kind of life he's going to live. 
Well, you know, I, when, when, like I always say, you know, when, when Adrian Broner comes into the conversation, when this kid hit the scene and he was a lightweight, the first couple of times I saw him, I, you know, he, he showed it all. You know, he has hand yeah, speed. Great, great. He had count. punching power. As a, as a lightweight, he was, he was very dangerous. And what I liked about him at the time was that he was willing to engage uh, with fighters unlike, uh, you know, some other fighters that are defensive-minded. They, they, they basically, you know, avoid, uh, they avoid the, the confrontation in a sense. You know, right. they, they throw a punch or two and then, then they're out of harm's way, but they can't inflict damage either. You know, that's not the sweet science. That's basically running. Uh, Broner, when he first started, didn't do that. Uh, he did uh, move up in weight and, and seemingly lost his power. And, uh, you know, then, then all this stuff outside the ring and, you know, him uh, thinking that he's bigger than, than life. And, you know, and then he's had some negative things. I mean, I, you know, you wonder if this is the fight that can right the ship or is this a cash-out fight? You know, that's what's going through my mind right now. Is he thinking this is a cash-out fight? I mean, A.B., Adrian Broner, he says it's, it, it stands for about billions. Uh, I don't see that. I, I don't see much interest in him. A lot, he's, a, he's a very unlikable guy. But Mikey Garcia, on the other hand, is a very likable guy. I love watching this guy fight. I wish we could get a little more emotion out of him. I've heard him say that he's not even really a big boxing fan. But yet, uh, he comes and, and does what he has to do. Uh, he was out of the ring for a while due to management issues. His quote is, he says, I'll do whatever it takes to win this fight. I'm more of a boxer puncher, but if I need to press the fight and put pressure on, I'm going to be ready to do that. Adrian's coming. Uh, Adrian's going to come to beat me, and I'm coming 100% to beat him. The fans will be the winner on fight night, but my hand will be the one that's raised. He says, uh, I'm happy to be back fighting in a big fight. It's great to be getting this fight with Broner. I'm undefeated. You have two of the best fighting each other. I'm here to challenge and get bigger fights. I believe this can be the fight of the year. When we get in the ring, he knows what's in front of him. July 29th in Brooklyn, uh, it'll be one hot place to be. I recommend that you don't miss it. And Sal, you know, here's a guy that, uh, like in him. my opinion, you know, is a blue-collar fighter, and his, and his comments suggest the same. What's your thoughts? I thought those were ideal comments. I mean, they're apropos, and uh, I liked them very much. And I think that, uh, you know, I, I think he's a level-headed, decent kid and uh, young man, I should say. And uh, I think that uh, he's going to bring his best game into town. And like I said, if I if I had a little bit more confidence in Adrian Broner's head and where it's at and his stability and where it's at, I'd feel a little bit different. But I think. I think he'll he'll put it out there. I think uh, Broner will fight and put up a good fight. And uh, but I think when push comes to shove, I think you're going to see uh, Mikey Garcia a little more dominant when it gets down to the trenches and being a little cool, calm, and collected and landing some heavy blows. So that's my pick. I'll pick Mikey Garcia. Well, we got we got some time for that uh, for official okay. picks, but uh, inst don't forget. I you know, with the big announcement of uh, Conor McGregor against Floyd Mayweather, uh, August 26th, I just want to know, you know, to me it's a joke. I, I would recommend that you do not buy this fight. It's If you're a boxing fan, there's no chance. McGregor has no chance in this fight. Floyd wouldn't have picked him 
if there was any kind of a challenge for Floyd because Floyd doesn't take challenges. He doesn't. No, I he mean, doesn't. Uh, you know, whether you like Floyd or not, and and you know, uh, you got to give him credit. I mean, he's a he's a, he's a good fighter, uh, but he doesn't challenge himself. He's he's his career. You know, at least the last decade has been a smokescreen. And whoever doesn't believe it, whatever. But uh, I want to know if you think that Conor McGregor has a chance. Drop me an email, Billy at Talking Boxing. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. I got one quick. We only got a two, two, three minutes here before I got to take a break and get Larry Hazard on. But I got a bunch of emails, so let me get one. Uh, added away. This one's from Jesse. He says, hey, Billy C. and Sal, my thoughts on Chucky versus Rigo was that the ref was confused and so was the commissioner. The fight probably should have been ruled in no contest, but Chucky faked the KO to get the win. Therefore, calling Rigo the winner was correct. You can't fake getting knocked out and call for a DQ uh, on the other fighter. Flores saw the ref and faked the KO. That's poor. He should not get another shot. Flores looked awful, although he threw his wide punches with bad intentions. Rigo uh, versus Jesse Magladeno, Ray Vargas, or uh, Tapales. He says, your thoughts on Ricky Sisamundo against uh, Ulysses Jr. Uh, he keeps climbing up the ladder. He beat a tough Ricky, so what's next for him? Uh, he says, uh, I would also like to write a letter to the commissioner of Nevada uh, and not uh, to expressing my opinion to not allow this fight to be legit record on both fighters. It doesn't count. Um, yeah, I, this is a uh, follow-up to my uh, letter to Bob Bennett. Uh, and I'll be glad to give you guys uh, the the uh, email address if you want to send an email. But my, my thoughts on that, I, you know, people are saying that they feel that he faked it. Um, first of all, how can you tell? It was one round. So, I mean, you know, you can't really tell how the fight was going to go after one round, even though I, I thought Rigo was going to win. But I didn't never once thought that it was a fake. Uh, did you, Sal? No, I didn't think it was a fake, not at all. I just, you know, it is what it is, but I didn't think it was a fake. I mean, it seemed like he landed pretty flush. I mean, uh, he did kind of crumble behind the ref and then stayed down and then got up. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to accuse. I mean, uh, the, the uh, Peterson, that was clearly uh, a fake, but uh, but I, I don't know about the other one. Hey, let's get some uh, baseball scores real quick, then we're going to take a break. Uh, in uh, uh, Major League Baseball, the Orioles beat the Indians 6-5. to five. The Angels over the Yankees, 8-3. to three. Cardinals over the Phillies, 8-1. to one. The Nationals beat the Marlins, 12-3. to three. The Rays beat the Reds, 6-5. Giants over the Braves, 6-3. to three. Pirates over the Brewers, 7-3. to three. Rangers over the Blue Jays, 6-1. to one. The Cubbies shut out the Padres, 4-0. Twins over the White Sox in a tough game, 9-7. to seven. Red Sox beat the Royals, 8-3. to three. The Rockies beat the Diamondbacks, 4-3. to three. The uh, Astros beat the A's 8-4. The Mariners and the Tigers took 10 innings to get a winner. Mariners come out top 5-4. And the hapless, sad-ass Mets got shut yeah. out by the Dodgers, Sal. 12 to nothing. Oh, 12 to practice. nothing. Is that sickening or what? Well, you know, well, what kind yeah. of idiot would be a Met fan? Oh, myself. I guess I'm the idiot, right? I'm, I'm the Met the fan. The Met fan. Un unbelievable. Oh, unbelievable. Well, listen, uh, Sal, we're going to uh, get uh, my man uh, Larry Hazard on the phone, so we're going to uh, kick you to the curb. But we got a bunch of emails here uh, that we're going to try to get to, and if we don't, we'll get them tomorrow. Uh, I also have uh, some other uh, news to talk about. So, Sal, go fill up on your coffee, and uh, we, will, uh, we will come back to you in a little bit, my man. All right, Bill, thanks. Hey, do me a favor, though. Ask... Uh... 
ask our friend Larry if he would know if there is any ruling against. Like I said, Conor McGregor could throw a, a leg faint. He can't uh, from a distance. He can't. Don't. And then you know, just for the hell of it. Nah. I, well, I mean, I'll, nah. uh, maybe I'll like, ask him, but but it, I, yeah, it, it ain't happening. Yeah. But uh, ain't anyway, happening. Right. hey Sal, have happen, a cup so of coffee. Like, care, we'll see you in a little bit. We're gonna take a short break, and uh, we'll be back. Uh, uh, I'd say in about two minutes. Billy C will be right back. Have you heard? Proactive Plus is faster and better than ever. Stay tuned for a million bottle giveaway, and you'll also receive free shipping. Do you have troubled skin, acne? Well, we have great news. With Proactive Plus, your acne can heal, and you can help prevent new breakouts from happening. Don't miss this limited time offer. Give us a call at 800-567-0214, because we're going to let a million people try Proactive Plus risk-free and get two free gifts and also receive free shipping when you call right now. You heard it. This offer won't last long. So call Proactive Plus now and you'll receive a 60-day risk-free trial of Proactive Plus, two free extras, and free shipping. Call 800-567-0214. This is our exclusive radio offer, never on TV. Get your risk-free 60-day trial of Proactive Plus with free shipping. That's right, free shipping. Don't wait. Call 800-567-0214. That's 800-567-0214. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us today. And uh, speaking of being with us, joining me right now, who I still got to set up with a uh, computer so we can actually see my man is a boxing hall of famer and New Jersey boxing commissioner, Larry Hazard. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, Billy. How's How's everything, buddy? Not too bad, my man. Not too bad. Um, All right, let's let's get right into it. The uh, uh, fight from the last weekend, uh, Andre Ward and uh, Sergey Kovalev. Uh, once again, uh, the fight uh, ends in uh, controversy. Um, I, I, let me just say this, first and foremost, because there's a lot of aspects of this fight that we, we want to get your thoughts on. I, my initial feeling of, of this fight is pretty simple. Sergey Kovalev talked a lot of smack leading up to this fight. And, uh, Here you go. You know, yeah. I, I mean, he really did. And when that bell rang, he backed up none of it. None of it. Andre Ward... He went as far as saying he was going to knock Kovalev out. We all laughed because he's not known to be a knockout puncher. And yet he went in there and and did what he said he was going to do. I give credit to Andre Ward for doing that. I was disappointed in Kovalev and his lack of aggression, his lack of urgency. And then, of course, the complaints. Now, obviously, there's, there's reason for the complaints, but the low blows and, and Tony Weeks coming out saying he... He regretted stopping it and all this stuff is, is stupid. But first of all, before we get into the, to the referee and stuff, what was your thoughts on the fight itself? Well, Billy, it's, 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 it's amazing how, as they say, great minds think alike. And, you know, we, you, you know, we're old school fight boxing guys. 
uh, we really do think uh, quite a bit alike. I was so disappointed in Kovalov. As you know, in some of our past programs, I've gone as far as, you know, praising this guy to the point that, you know, I've said on several occasions, hey, man, I thought this guy was the greatest thing since sliced bread. You know, he's pound for pound, in my opinion, the best fighter in boxing. I was so disappointed, okay, with the whining and the crybabying. And, and I'm saying to myself, something is wrong here. I, I did not see any of the fire, the intensity, the, the crusher mentality. You know, as a matter of fact, I saw him even in, uh, I saw him in what point of the fight where he, like, turned away like he was going to walk away, uh, like he was going to pull a, a, a Roberto Duran and a no mop. And then he came right back. And then he's whining. He's, he's looking for sympathy uh, from, from the referee. Now, when it comes to these low blows, a low blow is exactly what it is, Billy, a low blow. Borderline is not low. What I saw were several borderline they weren't low from my perspective. But what he was doing, he's looking to the referee to get sympathy, to get a break. You know, and I'm like, is this the same guy that I was walking around talking all of this crap about how great he was? I saw none of the crusher Kovalov that I've seen in past fights. And I'm not buying any of the whining, the bullshit about low blows, um, what I, you know, I'll save the refereeing part, you know, till we get to that. But I was so disappointed. He talked all of that smack before the fight, okay, and did none of it. Andre Ward said he was going to knock him out, he was going to stop him, and that's exactly what he did. So I give all of the credit to Ward, okay, and I, I, I kept thinking back to, is this for real what I'm seeing here? Do you realize how many times Muhammad Ali got hit on the hip? How, how many times he got hit uh, borderline from Joe Frazier and those wars that they had, and they kept fighting, kept right on fighting. Here's a guy that's possibly in the biggest fight of his career, a, a career-defining fight. The first fight ended in controversy. He couldn't wait to get a second crack. He had so much support going into the fight because so many people actually thought that he got robbed in the first fight. And he puts in such a disappointing performance. You know, it, it, it's really, it really, really doesn't say much for Kovalov. So I agree with you 100%. He talked a lot of trash and he did nothing. Andre Ward said what he was going to do and he did. And in my opinion, right now, there's no argument that Andre Ward is pound for pound the best fighter in the sport of boxing. I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I mean, as far as Kovalev, there was, he says, oh, last fight you saw Sergey Kovalev, this fight you're going to see the crusher. Well, the crusher was, it, it was is a cartoon character or something because uh, he didn't crush nothing. I, I don't even think he crushed an orange for, for breakfast that morning. But he, you know, and, and, you know, whether he's unhappy with the deal, I mean, that's, that, you know, that's his promoter. That's, that's something that you do before the fight, you know, uh, uh, it was pathetic uh, to see the performance, and I agree with you. I don't know if I agree with you about Andre right now. 
Um, you know, him saying he wants to move up and fight Anthony Joshua. And all, I, I think, I, listen, Andre Ward, uh, he showed that inside the ring, uh, he is up in the conversation, you know, with the Lomachenkos and uh, the other great fighters that we have. He, he, he definitely did, you know, uh, yes, and, and you can't take that away. You know, I, I personally That's don't right. like what Andre Ward has become in terms of outside the ring, the diva, the, you know, him thinking he's, he can't draw. Listen, the guy can't draw. The, the numbers were terrible. They, they didn't even sell out the arena. Uh, because both of them can't draw well, you know, and, and Andre doesn't uh, understand that, but that's a totally different situation. Now, as far as the referee job, um, you know, I, he did seem, the one thing that I, when when Bird, when, when uh, referee Bird did the first fight, what I liked about his style of refereeing was he let them fight inside, and he forced Kovalev to punch his way out when, uh, when Andre Ward was was holding and clinching, all right? In this fight, it seemed that Tony Weeks was going to do the same, and he did. He, he, didn't, he didn't wait too long. He would wait a second or two. Once they got to close, he would tell them to punch out. If they were both holding, he would break them apart. So he kind of took that inside fight away, which turns out to be a benefit for Kovalev. Kovalev had no answer to fight on the inside, he had no answer to throw any other punch aside from his jab and a right hand that he wasn't accurate with. He just he he seemed to have regressed in this fight. Now, as far as Tony Weeks, I think he stopped that fight a little too soon. But then again, you know, I, you know, during the heat of battle, it appeared, uh, and you know, he had suggested uh, along these lines that Kovalev didn't want to fight. Like you suggest, he was looking to, for, for him for help, for a break, for this, for that. And, uh, you know, when he, when he kind of bent down against the ropes, uh, Tony Weeks waved it off as, as him showing an indication he didn't want to fight. At one time, he turned his back, and Tony Weeks said, no, I'm not stopping it, you know, continue to fight. Right. Um, you know, I, I think it was tough. And I think Tony Weeks made a big mistake coming on uh, social media right after the fight saying, well, if I would have saw the replays, I wouldn't have stopped that. I would have called the low blows, which I don't think he should have done uh, because he doesn't have the benefit of watching replays during the fight. But he created more controversy. What's your thoughts uh, on the job uh, of Tony Weeks as far as from a referee standpoint? Well, I've seen Weeks do a much better job. Okay, here's the big mistake that Tony Weeks made, okay? Rule number one for a referee is that he should seize every opportunity to remain not a factor in the outcome. And he has to look for those opportunities. First off, when Tony Weeks stepped in and stopped the fight, the position in which Kovalov was at the time warranted a knockdown count because by definition of a downed fighter, he was being supported solely by the ropes. Therefore, a knockdown was warranted. If Tony Weeks had sent Andre to the neutral corner and given Kovalov the mandatory eight count, now he's got the opportunity for the world to see whether this guy wants to quit, whether he wants to fight, or whether he wants to continue. Because he did not seize the opportunity by rule, 
by rule, not by circumstance or not simply by choice, by rule. Kovalov was ruled a down fighter by virtue of the rules. So Tony Weeks stepped in and stopped the fight, which caused all of the controversy and question as to whether the fighter wanted to continue. If he had stepped in, given the mandatory eight count, then he could have said to him, okay, you want to fight? Step to me. Let's go. Come on. Now, if he didn't want to fight, he would have quit right there. If he wanted to continue, no question in my mind that if he had waved Andre back in, Andre was going to put Kovalov on his back. And there would have been no controversy and no question as who the best fighter was that night. No so doubt. Tony made a big mis- he made a big mistake by not abiding by the rules of boxing, number one, okay? And if he stopped the fight for some other reason other than that, that dealt with health and safety of the fighter, then I can't argue with him. But if he had given him the mandatory eight count, which in a fight of this magnitude certainly was warranted. So I think that Tony made a big mistake in that particular situation. You know, the other, I agree with that. I mean, once once he's sitting on the ropes, the ropes are holding you up. I mean, you could have used uh, that, that. But that's considered no, no. That is by rule a knockdown. Right. You know, and that's okay, clearly that's the knockdown. And that clearly was the case. But you know what? What makes me laugh even more, and then we're going to move on. Kovalev did not complain about that stoppage, Larry. Not, not at one, all. Not one single complaint. He complained after. He started That's with right. the crying and the trail of tears after the fight, not during well, the after, fight. That's after everybody. That's after everybody can regroup and look for excuses now to to generate the controversy. Okay, so that there may be an outside chance of a, of a third fight that nobody wants to see. No, no. I, well, Ward had has already said he's not fighting him again, and and Ward. Right. Well, listen, Ward is Ward. I mean, you know what? He's not a dynamic fighter. He was never, he's a quality fighter inside the ring, but his personality, even, it just, it, it, there's something lacking. You know, he's not a likable guy, even though he seems to be a good guy. You know, he just, and, and, and I think it goes all the way back to, you know, uh, his promotion, lack of promotion earlier in his career. Uh, you know, nobody knows who he is. Even he can't even sell out in his own hometown. He always well, wants to well, fight. Well, a lot of that, a lot of that, really not to cut you off, okay? But a lot of that is because he's not a trash talker. See, we're we're living in the era of trash talk and bullshit. Talk smack, talk all the trash. You know, that's how you get known in yeah, boxing today. Yeah, but you know what? Okay. I, that's that's not entirely true, Larry. Because you, both you and myself, are, are attracted to guys that are not trash, like Anthony Joshua. He doesn't talk trash, you know, and, and Klitschko, he didn't talk trash. These are, you know, quality fighters. I, that's not the problem. I think the problem with Andre Ward is, you know, Andre Ward, when you look at his resume th- up, you know, through the, super, uh, su- through the Super 6, he fought all the best fighters. And up until Kovalev, he was fighting some easy fights, which, come on, all the fighters do. And the Kovalev fights, I mean, you can't criticize Ward. He fought the best guy who many of us thought was the best light heavyweight out there. And uh, I think the problem with, with Andre Ward is he's demanding 
you know, the favors, like uh, everything his way, like a Floyd Mayweather. And as much as I think that Andre Ward has uh, fought the tougher opposition than Floyd, he's certainly not the draw and the money-making power of Floyd Mayweather. So I don't put them on the same on the same level. You know, I mean, you, you can make a good case for Andre Ward and the level of his opposition, but when it comes to putting fannies in the seats and making money, Andre Ward doesn't come close to Floyd, you know? And, uh, you know, that's well, what separates Floyd from the rest. Well, well, some fighters are just cursed with that, okay? Some some fighters are cursed with that. But I, I still think, even with, 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 with uh, Mayweather, these young fight fans today, there's some type of attraction to these guys. You know, even Floyd, with all the money Mayweather, you know, all the jewelry, all of the flash, all of the cars. You know, these young young fight fans, these fight fans, they are simply attracted to that today, really. No, that's you're right. Just one of, that, that's just the way the sport is today. That's just the way, Andre, the, that's just the, way the young, pe- young people are. They're attracted to all of that, not just fighters. That's right. That's what they look at Brona. Brona even has a little bit of a following with all of that, you know, flash and all of the posts. <laughs> I don't know how. I, I don't know how he's got a following, but his his best way is to beat Mikey Garcia. But that's another story. Let's jump to the well, uh, let's jump to the Rigondeaux fight because that that really made. Let me tell you, I am so disappointed, as you know, I am so disappointed with the Nevada State Athletic Commission. I mean, you know, in my opinion, the top commissions in the sport. Uh, you know, in terms of strength and, and you know, I, I know I, I know it's hard to look at it this way, but when I see a strict commission that has rules and regulations for the better of the sport and to protect the, the participants and the people involved, you know, it's easy for me to, to name the top four commissions in the United States and, and in no particular order. Uh, of course, New York, uh, your commission, New Jersey, Nevada and California. I mean, th- those are the, the top four, in my opinion, you know, and Nevada, I, I don't know what they've become. I mean, this ho- that whole episode with the Rigondeaux fight, first of all, Vic, Drac- Vic Draculich was, is a decent referee. I never thought he was great, but he's a decent referee. For him not to take control and acting like he had to get, uh, you know, a, an opinion from Bob Bennett before he could render a decision in that fight, was was silly number one then bob bennett i mean finding him wherever he was all that time it took for him to come and 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 you know obviously make the mistake of of what uh, they said to him on the phone but the worst part of it was the fact that they were giving the commentators the television guys now granted they were hbo but so what you know jim lampley max kellerman and roy jones jr they were, he was like thankful that they gave him airtime. You know, as a commissioner, I know Larry Hazard wouldn't have, wouldn't have bowed down to any of those guys. I mean, I, to me, that was sickening. It was embarrassing for the commission. What was your thoughts on that whole fiasco? Well, you know, I, you, you know I, I, all I can say is that I definitely would not have, uh, you, you know, I, I would have handled it a little bit differently. Um, certainly, as far as commentators are concerned, you know, you know, you know how I feel about comedy. That particular team, Roy Jones is really the only one that I really give any credence to because he he's put the work in over the years in the ring. 
But uh, I saw I saw a better way, I think, of handling that situation. Um, I've had I've walked in those shoes before, and I I thankfully was able to avoid some of the pitfalls that I saw uh, take place there. Uh, the only thing that I can say uh, about that is that I think that they did eventually get it right. Uh, it's my understanding that they did uh, overturn that whole situation and made it a no decision or no contest or something of that nature for a situation where the punch came clearly after the bell. Um, so they eventually got it right, but it is important that the protocols be followed properly, you know, in the process. You know, I, I think that I would have handled that situation a little bit differently, uh, Billy. You know, I, that that whole thing, first of all, Draculich was out of position. At the 10-second warning, or in some states where they'd use a 5-second warning, the referee is supposed to get close to the fighters, so when the bell rings, he basically cuts them off. He goes in between. He, he was too far away to do that, number one. Yes. Number yes. two, yes. Number two, they were both in a heated exchange. It wasn't like, yes. I know that the holding behind the head was, was brought up and stuff, and, and rightfully so, but, you know, they were in a heated exchange, and, you know, again, the same thing that happened uh, a couple of weeks ago, you know, a punch, you're in, you're in that mode, you're in motion, throwing a punch. And that's why the referee is supposed to be, at least in my mind, is why the referee is supposed to be there, you know, to, to put himself in between them if he has to, to avoid that punch connecting. And, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I don't know if you could call that a blatant, I want to foul you and hit you after the bell. I, I really don't. I, I, you know, that's a tough call, especially no, being in the no, first it, round. It was tough, and you and you you've analyzed that very well, though. I, I must say, you you made a, a great analyzation of that. And as you said, it was not blatant. I think that I, it's my understanding that's the conclusion that they finally came to. And again, Draculich was out of he was out of range. Um. In New Jersey, we have a five-second warning because uh, I've always felt, having been a referee, that ten seconds, you cut it to five, now the referee doesn't stand around as long. You know, and he's in the flow, and he can get right in there. Yep. You know, and, and, and that's part of, of his job. When that five seconds, you don't have to wait too long. Now you, you, you're right in the flow. You get right there between them, and when that bell rings, you come right in between those guys. You know, and, and, and um, I personally, as a referee, found great success uh, with that process, and that's why uh, we, we cut it to five seconds, because it doesn't break your flow and your movement. So I think that if the referee had been... See, this is a situation where I think that the referee being closer in position and with a five second warning um, may have prevented that but again I agree with you wholeheartedly here it was not a flagrant situation it wasn't mean spirited you know the holding behind the head and all of that that all comes in the heat of battle you know the styles of these guys Rigandau is uh, not um, Rigandau's uh, a little awkward because he's a softball and the way he moves so that part 
you know, notwithstanding all of that, I think that they finally did come to a rightful conclusion and, and ruled it a no contest because it wasn't a flagrant situation. And finally, Larry, and we're out of time here, but, uh, you know, the Nevada State Athletic Commission uh, approved and it was officially announced uh, Floyd Mayweather against Conor McGregor August 26th. I'm sick over the fight, not for the entertainment value, but the fact that the Nevada State Athletic Commission has sanctioned it as a real fight. And, you know, Bob Bennett said uh, on air, uh, that their main concern of, of their commission is the safety of the fighters, et cetera, et cetera. And then he approves a fight um, between a pro debut uh, and, and Floyd Mayweather, who's 49-0. and 0. And, you know, I, I just, I, I ask myself, you know, guys that have stepped in the ring with Floyd Mayweather who have been known to be knockout punchers, you know, Manny Pacquiao, Marcos Maidana, uh, you know, the list goes on and on. I, I would fight even Robert DeGos Guerrero. I mean, these are, these are guys that, that you know, are known to knocking out their opponents. They step in the ring with Floyd Mayweather. They, they, they're lucky if they lay a glove on him. You know, I've, I've never seen him, you know, get, get knocked down or hurt or bleeding bad or, you know, I mean, you know, his, I'm not a fan of Floyd, but his MO is that you can't hit him. He's a defensive guy. What makes people think, that Conor McGregor, a guy that's never stepped into a boxing ring, a guy that's never gone 12 rounds, the guy goes, uh, uh, you know, what, what do they fight? Uh, three five-minute rounds? I mean, you know, I, you know, a conditioning aspect. I mean, I'm seeing Floyd, who's not a knockout puncher, knock this guy out. Uh, it's similar to George Foreman Ali. Uh, you know, it's going to be a, a guy that's so fatigued in Conor McGregor that Floyd's going to get a knockout. I'm disappointed in this fight. If it was an exhibition, I'd be the first guy to, to go and watch it and cheer and everything else. But as the 50th win, I don't think it's fair to the sport of boxing. What's your quick thoughts on this one? I don't think it's fair to the sport of boxing, nor is it fair to Rocky Marciano. Um, and I don't, I don't even know, um, you know how fair it's going to be to McGregor. I don't know how many rounds it's going to be. Uh, now, how do you, how do you actually turn down a fight, you know, a matchup when it comes in, you know, and you're trying to decide whether this is a good match or that's a good match? But it's all about the mo it's all about the money, uh, Billy. I don't think that uh, there's any question to that. I agree. If it was going to be in an exhibition, then I would have no problem. But I do have some difficulty with it as a legitimate professional event. The, the, but I, I've long ago reached a conclusion. It's all about the money. No, no, I, you know, I, so. I know that. And and I don't fault either Floyd or Conor McGregor or even Dana White I for that matter. I certainly don't either. Yeah, I, don't, I, I don't fault them for, for, for taking the fight and fighting each other. I mean, $100 million it's hard to turn away. I mean, I love the old saying, ah, oh, hundred million, ah, oh, that's only fifty million after taxes and I'm like, Oh really? How do, how can someone live on well, that? Well, I don't you know? I don't I don't fault the commission for making the money for the state. No, either. no. I, but but they could have done it. They, they could have no done problem. it as an exhibition. To 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 yep. make it a record fight. And and you mentioned a, a great point that people don't understand. Rocky Marciano, okay, the forty nine and oh record was substantial for heavyweights. No heavyweight right. has reached 49-0. and 0. Larry Holmes was the only guy that comes close to it, right? No heavyweight. 
But when you go to other weight divisions, there's been many fighters that surpassed 50-0. and 0. Julio Cesar Chavez was over 80 fights before he lost his first one. So the significance of that 50-0 and 0 is just another marketing smokescreen that Mayweather is capitalizing on. And more power to him. But my hang-up is that it's being regarded as a legal sanctioned fight. And I think that yes. that's, that's terrible for, for the history of boxing. And uh, I don't see McGregor having any chance, um, you know, in this fight. Obviously, we'll get to talk uh, a lot more about it. But, Larry, we got to go. But I got to ask you one question. In the rules of boxing today, do fighters have to wear boxing shoes? Well, they, uh, uh, they, they have to wear boxing shoes or something similar. I mean, you can't come in there with a pair of sandals on. No, barefoot. You know. What about barefoot? No, no, it should have. It's been traditional that they wear boxing shoes, but I don't, I don't recall seeing anywhere in the rules and regulations that say you can't come in barefoot. I know. Now, there was a fight. I forget who it was, but this fight took place, um, you know, 20, uh, probably more than that, 30 years ago or whatever, and um, one of the fighters fought barefoot. And the reason why I remember the story is because it was a, a big storm and the glass from the, uh, from the lights were, were breaking and, and falling in the ring. And he ended up cutting his feet. But I don't see any rules that say you can't. And it's going to be curious to see if Conor McGregor chooses to wear boxing shoes for this. Because he's never even worn a pair of boxing shoes. Well, well you know, I, I don't think that I would have a problem. If if they're not in our rules, you know, and that's a, that's a you you you're making me go to the rules now. If, <laughs> Even if, if it, not, I didn't think I I didn't know all the rules, but come on, Larry, you're supposed to know these off the top of your head, brother. Well, I I don't remember seeing anywhere in the rules where you you had to have on boxing shoes. Well, I tell you, I tell you what, that's going to be interesting to see. Uh, that's probably the only interest I have. Is he going to wear boxing shoes or not? But Larry, listen. I know my you got to have one trunks, Billy. I do know that. Oh, you got to have trunks. Yeah, no, I know, I know that. <laughs> you know, but uh, listen, my man, we'll talk uh, next week. All right. Okay, Billy. All right. Thanks a lot, Larry. Okay. That's uh, Larry Hazard, uh, boxing commissioner, uh, Hall of Famer, uh, doing. Uh, Keeping it straight, man. Keeping us all straight. But uh, anyway, hey, listen, I'm going to take a short break. When I come back, uh, the blast from the past, Alex Papali, Prince Hasim Ahmed, is who we'll be talking about today. I'll be back in two. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. That's my face. I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, right now, it's time for uh, one of our oldest and mostest favoritists. I guess that's what you guys say. Segment, the blast from the past. And uh, this week's blast from the past is being sponsored by KOFantasyBoxing.com. Check out the website, 
www.kofantasyboxing.com and title bout championship computer game. And if you want a copy, I highly recommend it. It's a great simulation game. You can get a copy by visiting our website, billycboxing.com, and click on the title bout championship computer game banner, which is right there. They haven't updated it, so uh, it says I think it says 2013 or something, but it's been around a while. But uh, today's blast from the past, as a request, and if you have a request for us to do a blast, just drop me an email, Billy at Talking Boxing. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. Uh, features a former multi-divisional world champion and a boxing hall of famer, at least as of uh, 2015, Prince Nassim Hamed. And joining me right now to tell us all about the Prince Man is uh, my man uh, trying to do his best impression of Billy C with the mustache is uh, Alex Perpali. Nice job. I, I'm A little tear is welting up in my eye. You look pretty clean cut today. You're looking good there, my man. You're looking good. You got that little uh, goatee going on, or maybe it's just a go. Yeah, yeah, I got the little, yeah. the little soul patch. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> that's one. That you know what they're great for. I had one one time. They they they're great for like when you're eating a you know nice ravioli dinner and you want to save a little piece for later. You know they <laughs> store it goes right there. Yeah, it 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 fits right in there, and uh, you know it's it's pretty good. And you can really lap it up later pretty easily. So uh, anyway, there you go, uh, <laughs> Princess Seem Hamed. Yeah. Creative with the uh, facial hair. This there week. you go. I mean, you know, hey, you know, why be boring, right? There you go. <laughs> it's the first day of summer. Let's yeah. do something. <laughs> Let's get crazy. Oh, a friend of mine said, "Boy, what are you, Freddie Mercury?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first time I've ever been compared to yeah, Freddie listen, Mercury. <laughs> forget about your friend. The most important people. What do the kitties think, Alex? Do they like it? <laughs> <laughs> you know they didn't. They didn't seem to notice. Well, they all they, they care. They've got their own thing going on with facial hair. All they care about is Friskies. If the Friskies aren't on time, then that's it. Then all. Then the world comes crashing down, right? That's right. <laughs> Prince Han, Prince Nassim Hamed. What a character! One of the best characters in boxing. Uh, tell us about this guy. Yeah, this is a guy that I, I really liked a lot. Uh, he really he in terms of. Um, his uh, credentials for the Hall of Fame, they might be a little thinner. Uh, they're certainly thinner than he is at this point. Bum, bum. Um, but uh, they are a little thinner than some Hall of Famers. Uh, he only has uh, he only has one Hall, current Hall of Famer on his record. That's uh, Marco Antonio Barrera, who just went in last month, or this month, actually. Um, uh, and he lost to him. But, uh, you know, Wayne McCullough, Kevin C Kelly, they were really good fighters of the age. Uh, he certainly won a lot of titles. Um, the thing about him, I think, that uh, makes him, tr he transcended the sport, brought a tremendous amount of uh, money to the lighter weight classes. And the reason was all because of power, ridiculous power. Uh, and, you know, I love knockouts. Uh, so uh, I enjoyed him. I actually had the pleasure of seeing him fight twice uh, in person. I went to the McCullough fight, uh, which was one of the uh, most memorable ex live experiences I ever had in the sport. It was on Halloween night. Uh, it was crazy. The atmosphere was nuts. Um, and the other one that I saw was a really bone-chilling knockout, and that was his his KO of Augie Sanchez, the Las Vegas kid. That was here at uh, Foxwoods. That was one of those take him out on a stretcher type knockouts. Uh, that was the thing about him, Billy. See, I'm sure you like that too. I mean, that uh, 
knockouts they're just something about out that makes our sport different it's the you know uh highlight real quality of our sport that other sports really don't come close there's nothing like seeing a guy get knocked out no no and i think that uh that's you know the interest in in boxing at least uh for most boxing fans unless you're you know floyd mayweather fan then then you discredit knockouts and call it too brutal but uh the thing about Prince Hasim Hamed um, was the crazy angles. I mean, uh, you know, until until you you got in a ring with him, you, you you really couldn't emulate it. Sparring partners could not emulate. I mean, this was a guy. Talk about throwing punches from crazy angles. I mean, almost angles that you can't you know even explain how he's able to deliver a punch with power. Um, it was amazing, and you're right. It was all about his punching power. Uh, and, of course, his ring entrances because no one had a better ring. My favorite, till, and I know we did Princess Eam one other time, but my favorite still of all of his ring entrances, which were great, and don't get me wrong, Jorge Arce riding, riding in on a horse with a lollipop in his mouth was fantastic, but nobody beats Princess Eam Hamed when he came in on the flying carpet. I, I'm sorry. That was the best ring entrance I ever saw, Alex. Oh yeah, that was great. Uh, the flying carpet was great. The uh, just the dancing his way in, dancing behind the big white um, the curtain so that it was just the silhouette uh, before the Kevin Kelly fight, and that one took so long for him to finally come out. And and Larry Merchant made the comment, comment "This is the end of Western civilization as we know it." <laughs> it was just taking so long, and it was so bizarre. Um, the uh, but, uh, yeah, that was the thing about him, too, was uh, incredible unorthodoxy uh, that worked. Uh, he was a southpaw, um, but he did everything wrong. Uh, you know, in a sense, it was uh, that sort of naturalistic quality was like a, uh, was one quality had that was similar to a, a Muhammad Ali, uh, who he, of course, idolized. Um, but uh, in that he could make mistakes and they'd work. Uh, he could lean back from punches. Fighters shouldn't do that. Ali did it all the time. He he was quick enough. He had enough instincts uh, that it would work. Nassim Hamed was the same way. He was a southpaw, uh, but in a way it didn't really matter because he was so awkward. He could switch back and forth. Uh, he would hit you at all kinds of crazy angles anyway. So it was he was it, he was like a southpaw with an asterisk. Um, but yes, uh, in terms of the basics about him, he was born um, February 12, 1974. He was, he's only 5'4 inches tall. He fought uh, at, at featherweight was where he really made his mark in the sport. Uh, he was born in uh, Sheffield, Yorkshire, England, uh, in the UK. And um, he's one of nine. Uh, he had uh, eight um, brothers and sisters. Uh, he was born to Yemeni parents in Sheffield. And, you know, this was a little interesting because uh, I thought he started, in one interview I saw, he said he started boxing at seven. In another, that was an earlier interview during his career, he said he started at 12. Uh, not sure what which is right. And then I saw in another place written it was nine. He started when he was a kid. Um and uh, he really loved the sport. And I think maybe that's part of it was that even from a young age when people worked with the mitts, uh, he would hurt their hands. And I think that was probably part of it for him was that uh, he never liked running. 
never liked the, the sort of rigors of running, but he stayed in the gym all the time because he liked punching. He liked hitting the bags and stuff. So um, I think, uh, you know, his ability, uh, his natural aptitude towards power punching uh, was something that, uh, you know, helped fall, uh spirit his interest in the sport and keep him in the sport he he worked out of the Winkabank gym in uh oh, here comes the lawn service every thursday morning and uh yeah, you better tell him to change his schedule man i can't believe it I, when i went down to get refill of coffee i was like oh here they are they were taking the things off the truck um but uh yeah the Winkabank gym in uh sheffield they had a, a very tight relationship for most of his career and eventually split and it got ugly. Uh, There's a lot of, you know, backbiting uh, in the press about both of them, uh, about what, of course, money. And also, I think some of it was um, uh, Nassim Hamed's tood. Uh, some people just plain didn't like him. He was so flamboyant, so arrogant um, that, uh, you know, it rubbed people the wrong way. And, um, it seemed like even uh, Brendan Engel uh, got a little burnt out. Uh, add money to that equation, and that's a recipe for disaster. Well, you know, um, the truth of the matter is, is uh, uh, Princess Nassim Hamed, when he won his first title uh, against Steve Robinson, when you look at his resume, uh, he fought the best fighters available. I, I mean, he really did. Manuel Medina, Tommy Johnson. Uh, to name uh, a couple, of course, you mentioned Kevin uh, Kelly, Wilfredo Vasquez, um, also uh, Pocket Wayne McCullough, Pocket Rocket Paul Ingle, uh, Cesar Soto, uh, Augie Sanchez. You know, I, I mean, they were all the best fighters um, that the divisions, uh, you know, in the junior featherweight and featherweight had to offer that, that he made quick work of uh, until he met Marco Antonio Barrara. Uh, really, nobody could touch this guy. I mean, he was awkward, and he did draw. I mean, people came and, and did what they had to do. The The thing with him was that, uh, you know, he, he left the boxing uh, world early. You know, you forget about the fact that he retired. He was 28 years old, Alex. You know, he lost to uh, Barrera. He comes back and wins another world title. It was the IBO's world featherweight title. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, he beat uh, Manuel uh, Calvo. Uh, for that and then walked away never to return at 28 years old and even by today's standards um, at 43 years old I mean we see a lot of fighters still fighting at 43 now obviously he'd have to come back as a heavyweight if anybody has seen uh, you know him balloon up right now he's never coming close to featherweight again but uh, uh, I was always impressed that he never came back yeah, you know, in terms of health and in terms of, you know, just walking away from the sport, um, you know, a clean break, that's admirable. However, um, I, I, as a fan of his, I really wanted to see him try to make a comeback uh, after the loss to Barrera. Um, and he never really did. Um, and the other thing that, very much like Hector Camacho, we talk about this with uh, how he changed as a fighter. Uh, after the loss, the well, the win over Edwin Rosario, but it was it, there was qualities of that victory that were quite humbling for Camacho. That's that's the problem with the Barrera win uh, in terms of Hamed's career is that not only was it a complete undressing tactically, but he beat him up and he uh, he made him a little gun shy about um, getting hit, 
and he always had had that quality where he would lean out of out of range and everything and he could make fights a little dull sometimes it got worse after the Barrera loss those fights uh, that Calvo fight was a stink a stinker um, and even some of the early, it was it was even starting before uh, Barrera um, because I remember the Cesar Soto fight was a real dirty stinker of a fight um, and uh, you know that was the unfortunate you know the other example I guess I could think of that as much as he was a big puncher he didn't like getting hit at all he didn't like to mix it up was uh, Asselino Freitas was another guy that was sort of like that uh, as much as they could dish it out they really didn't like to bang or get hit on um, you know who does but one of the things that I think was interesting uh, was he did he because he had a tendency uh, to you know he was so flamboyant he he liked flashy cars he liked lots of money that kind of thing that sometimes his um, discipline would slip and uh, it seems like that coupled with the fact that in that Augie Sanchez fight he broke his hand this was going into the fight with Barrera he had to stay out of the gym because of the broken hand um, so he was really out of shape so by the time he fi finally started training for the Barrera fight uh, he was about he was uh, two and a half stone over where he wanted to be uh, over fighting weight which that's 35 pounds that's quite a bit for a little man to take off, you know, a featherweight to take off, um, and uh, and that really sapped him. Um, and that was one of the things I did hear an interview about uh, from the late man Emmanuel Stewart that um, he really was one of the most talented fighters, uh, uh, Hamed, that um, Manny Stewart worked with, and it's there they started working together with the Cesar Soto fight. Uh, after he had split with Brendan England, um, and uh, he really said that you know had it not been for uh, you know some of his lack of rigor in the training camp, um, you know Hamed would have been a much greater fighter. Well, I mean, despite his hand injury, you know to to end up with uh, uh, thirty being thirty five pounds overweight, I guess his hand injury wasn't injured enough. To prevent him from picking up the knife and the fork, you know, I mean, because because if he would have, if he was, yeah, obviously it wasn't hurt that bad, Alex, because uh, he could still shove food down his throat, and uh, as we know now, uh, that was uh, the demise of uh, uh, Nassim Ahmed. But uh, he did come back and beat Calvo. You're right; it was a boring fight. And I was going to say, uh, right before you said it, that Caesar Soto fight, uh, Soto landed some shots on him too. Uh, which started uh, making him uh, a little gun-shy. The two fights after that, one being the Augie Sanchez fight, he did uh, knock his opponent out. But Marco Antonio, Antonio Barrera was a unique fighter. And, the, you know, that guy, when you think of him and the wars he was in and the level of opposition he fought, um, I mean, it's it's amazing. Uh, but that's another, uh, that would be another blast, maybe the next one. But uh, uh, Prince, Asim, uh, Prince Nassim Hamed, uh, was uh, was definitely a good fighter. I, I just, you know, I always respect, not that I like when they leave and not return, but I always respect fighters that walk away and stay away. Not so much 
because I think, uh, you know, I want him away from the sport. It's just that it's just as much as fighters have to show discipline while they're fighting, that's a level of discipline too. Plus it also shows you that, you know, maybe financially he made some smart moves during his career that's not forcing him back in the ring, which is the case a lot of times. True. It's always nice to see that, uh, you know, they're able to, you know, invest some of that money properly and and, and not have to come back um, because that is one of the sad things about boxing. And, and I think all athletics uh, is um, athletes have just a small window to make as much money as they can. And then they've got to make that stretch uh, for the rest of their lives or have created other projects, uh, marketing type things, investments, whatever, that then they could do afterwards in the sport uh right now i guess that's one of the things he he i think it was a he does a sports runs a sports management company i think that was what i saw um but he um so he did well but there there has been he's it hasn't been all roses uh at all for him uh after boxing um he uh was involved in a horrible uh car accident um, and had to in 2006 he was jailed actually. Um, see, he loved fast cars, uh, and at, at, he used to go to the gym. He'd go to the gym in a Lamborghini, and you know it was one of those things that um, as he got better. Uh, and and I should mention also that it, the Kevin Kelly fight was one that might maybe uh, also made him a little more chinny because that was one of the great things about that fight is that's the first time he was. I believe that was the first time it was dropped. He was down in the first, second, and fourth, and Kelly was down uh, once in the second and twice in the fourth. It's a little, uh, little tempest in a teapot of a fight. Uh, if you haven't seen it, it's a great one. Um, and uh, and that oh, one of the things that was interesting about that is he had met Kevin Kelly in England a few fights before when they were trying to set up a match between the two of them. And one of the things that uh, Kevin Kelly had said to him was, um, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna smoke your boots," and that phrase kind of stuck with Kevin Kelly through the whole training camp. And he said, when he hit him in the first round and dropped him, the first thing he felt was this sort of tingle in his shoes, in his feet. And he, he felt like an electric, electric shock in his boots, and he said that's what he was talking about. So he was a little scared there. So that, that fight really was a watershed in his career. It was a tremendous fight. Um, but, yeah, in uh, 2006, he was driving a Mercedes, showing it to a friend, and, you know, sort of showing him what it could do. He was going 90 miles an hour on, uh, it was May 2nd, 2005, and he collided uh, on Ringling Road in Sheffield uh, in a silver McLaren Mercedes. He collided with another vehicle, and uh, there was a person that was horribly injured, broke almost every bone in his body. Um, and uh, Hamed was sentenced to 15 months in prison. Uh, he served 16 month, uh, 16 weeks of that uh, set, uh, sentence. And that's where he first start, started getting chubby. You know, it must be that uh, there's a lot of carbs in prison food. Yeah, the jail, jailhouse food isn't uh, isn't uh, something you want to eat. That's for sure. But, yeah, uh, it's all starch. Yeah, um, you know, so so he's in a spot now. You know, as we're running out of time already, 
Uh, he's in uh, right now. He's doing uh, sports management. I know he is he involved with fighters because I I see him at the fights, but I've never heard him, you know, associated with fighters themselves. What, what's he doing right now? You know, not that I see that he's not managing anybody that I see, but um, uh, he uh, has he's certainly an inspiration to people. He was an inspiration to Amir Khan. Um, he uh, uh, Khan when he was little used to see him. Uh, he would see Naz hit the pads, and that was like a master class of timing and angles. It was just something that uh, Khan really ad admired. He got him into the sport. Uh, Hamed is so popular. I mean, in 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 Yemen, they have him on on stamps. So he certainly did elevate um, you know himself uh, for a time there. He was so cocky. I mean. You can some of his uh, interviews with Larry Merchant are hilarious because you know he'll say thing, things like "I have a heart of a lion, Larry." Uh, you know, it's just um, and and that's how he rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. That was one of the things uh, he always would do a front flip over the top rope right. to start his fights. If you watch the Barrera fight, looks like somebody hits him in the crowd with a beer. And their beer gets on him and gets on the rope, and he doesn't do it. So in a way, it was almost like that was a jinx because uh, he didn't do his front flip for that most important fight, which certainly turned out to be a, a pretty lousy thing. But I don't know. Barrera was a badass, and one of the things that Barrera really figured out with him is uh, to counter him. And uh, all his weird angles and stuff, on, as, as he would throw, Barrera just comes right back and fires, like, three-punch combinations and catches him. But even that fight, you know, speaking, you know, that we got dirty fights on our mind because of this past week. In the second round, uh, they Barrera tackles him. They sort of get tangled up in a clinch. Barrera tackles him, sort of grinds him into the mat. And Mark Ratner... And a security guard come up onto the ring apron to, like, help Joe Cortez sort it out. And then the fight continues. I had forgotten about that until I rewatched it. Well, Joe Cortez, you know, he's fair, but he's, he's, fair, but he's firm. But he, he was a terrible referee. How he got into Hall of Fame, I don't know. But listen, we're out of time, Alex. How did he do in the title bout? Uh, he did uh, very well, actually. I put him in against Leo Santa Cruz and uh, Carl Frampton. Uh, in his first fight with Leo Santa Cruz, uh, Hamed knocked him out. He put him he put him down in the ninth twice, once in the tenth, and then twice for good in the eleventh. Uh, it was a TKO at, in the eleventh round, two twenty-seven of the round. When they fight a hundred times, he dominates. Dominates eighty-five victories, thirteen defeats, two draws, sixty-two big wins by knockout. In Santa Cruz's 13 wins, he scored eight KOs. Uh, then I put him in against Carl Frampton. Um, the first uh, time they fight, the the Prince wins a unanimous decision. Scores were 115-114, and then the other two cards were much wider, 117-112 and 116-112, unanimous decision for Hamed. When they fight 100 times, again, Hamed dominates. 88 victories, 12 defeats. He had 60 victories by KO, and uh, Frampton was able to score five KOs in his 12 loss uh, in 12 victories. So you know he's a guy I really liked a lot, but um, you know he definitely uh, had some fail, uh, you know, shortcomings as a champion. He never he never avenged himself uh, against somebody who beat him, uh, which some you know there's a lot of great guys that uh, Mike Tyson never did that.
Hey, hey, hey. This isn't about Tyson. Leave Tyson alone. Just because you got the, him being knocked out by Kevin McBride probably right behind you. You know, we, 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 I, don't, I don't need to. I don't need to. the video on a continuous. I don't need to revisit that. The first thing Alex shows me when I went to his place one time. Hey, did I ever show you the picture? Here's Mike Tyson. Is that Kevin McBride? You know, but uh, anyway, Prince Nassim Hamed. He was a former world junior featherweight and featherweight champion. He was inducted into the International Boxing Hall of Fame in 2015. He had a career record of 36 wins, 31 by knockout, giving him an 84% knockout ratio. Only the one loss to uh, Marco Antonio Parada uh, took place in 2001. Uh, Prince Nassim Hamed, our blast from the past today. Great job as usual, Alex. And uh, unfortunately, we don't have uh, any time, but I want you to come back on. I know you talked on the post-fight show about Ward and stuff, but we are talking uh, about the joke of a fight called uh, McGregor versus Mayweather. I'd like to get some thoughts on that. So uh, tomorrow, uh, if you get a chance, or Friday, uh, we'll open up the phone lines for you and uh, we'll get you to come on and uh, give us your thoughts on that. I think it's the it's the greatest match uh, that I have heard about in a long time. I am so looking forward to it. Yeah, and, good. Uh, so you're gonna come down to so you're gonna come to St. Simon's and enjoy it with us because uh, you know my whole goal is to get all of us to go down there. At least we'll have fun watching that farce. You know what I mean? So uh, uh, you know, make your plans. I'll I'll, I'll tell you all about that uh, later. But uh, we'll uh, talk to you later in the week. All right, Billy C. Take care. That's uh, my man Alex Perpali. Uh, giving us uh, the blast from the past and doing a great job as usual. Listen, I got to take a break, and when I come back, we're going to dig up Sal. Yeah, because Sal uh, Rocky Senecola uh, will be uh, back with us, and uh, got some emails to read as uh, we continue on. So uh, don't go nowhere. Billy Z will be right back. Part of the Billy Z Boxing Network. Check out BillyZBoxing.com now. Or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy, Billy C. C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And... We're back. You're listening and watching the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us today. And don't forget about our website, www.billycboxing.com. I want to give a shout-out to my man, Dave Ma, who's uh, watching us on Facebook Live right now. And, yeah, we are uh, testing and playing around with Facebook Live. Uh, but please note, if you're watching us on Facebook, it's the worst camera we have in the studio. Uh, it's uh, just an experiment that we're doing, see if uh, people like it. But if you really want to see the uh, full uh, uh, video experience, the one that we have on uh, all of the uh, television networks we're currently airing on, uh, check out our YouTube page or BillyCBoxing.com. Uh, BillyCBoxing.com uh, shows it as well as uh, YouTube.com slash Talkin, T-A-L-K-I-N, Boxing, B-O-X-I-N-G. Joining me again right now is the, my man, uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. And, uh, Sal, I don't know if you had a chance to listen to uh, Larry, but, uh, you know, he kind of shared uh, our opinions that uh, at the very least, I mean, first and foremost, he agrees that Kovalev talked a lot of smack, didn't back any of it up. 
But he does agree that uh, Tony Weeks should have given Kovalev, not that it would have changed the outcome, but uh, should have given Kovalev uh, uh, the count of eight and then uh, let him, you know, fall, uh, let the chips fall as they will. What, what was your thoughts on that? 100%. And I'll tell you what, that was what was so, you know, it, it, the end just, just happened uh, so suddenly. And I was like, what, wait, wait a minute, what? What? I was looking for I was looking for the eight count. I was looking for him to take a knee. I was looking for the fight to resume. And uh, But I will tell you this, and Larry was right on. Kovalev was looking for a way out. I mean, he he didn't he didn't, he looked at the referee. Hey, you know what? If you're in the middle of a fight and you get hit low or you get hit somewhere or you you're gonna be like, I'm I can go on, I can do this, I can do that. Let me rest. Let me do that. you know. You have some emotion. You're not just gonna be passive and say, Well, okay, I'll call it a night. I mean, that's what he looked like. He did. He was he was he was slumped over, down, and. He didn't want to go on, and he didn't want that fight. And I'm telling you, uh, I saw it in his eyes. I saw it in his face, and we saw it all together. And Larry was spot on. Uh, all and, uh, together now. All together now. now. All, all together. together. Yeah, Cold now. Cold all together now. No, well, what we saw was that he didn't even complain. But, uh, he didn't complain anyway. until after the fact, like you guys well, said. Yeah, yeah. Well, I got some emails. Let's, let's, let's try and catch up with some of the emails. This is from your main man, Joel. He says, when the hell is... is, is uh, Joel says, uh, when the hell is Sal going to send me a T-shirt? Oh, no, no, no. That's not what he says. He says, uh, welcome back. Glad to have you and Sal back on your regular schedule. He says, I have to say I have a few friends clamoring to see Mayweather, Mag uh, McGregor Mayweather, and therefore I'll, I'll be a hypocrite and order it, even though it's $100. He says, my friends more than likely will contribute. Being a boxing and MMA fan, it's going to be a very expensive few months coming up. A couple of uh, UFC pay-per-views in July. Mayweather McGregor in August, Canelo Triple G in September. Uh, I don't think uh, Mayweather McGregor will deflate the excitement for the Triple G Canelo fight. I feel once the fight's over, fans are always looking forward to what the next big fight is, and that'll only be a few weeks after that. Nothing will stop me from ordering the Triple G Canelo fight. First of all, thanks for the email, uh, Joel. You, you should be coming down to our event. Bring your friends and come down once and for all. I'll give and him you a t-shirt then. Sal will give you really? the t-shirt. He's not coming at, down? At our event, we will be giving out uh, Sal's t-shirts, and all, Sal will be giving out a lot of stuff. I think he's giving out the keys to his car and everything, but, but the truth of the matter is, come on down. We're all going to watch that sickening fight together, and at least we'll have fun uh, doing that, but as far as that, I do see, Sal, a lot of the MMA fans uh, that are going to buy this fight. Most of the um, true boxing fans are not. I've seen a couple of polls on the Internet, you know, asking, are you going to buy this one? Are you going to buy both? Are you going to buy the Triple G? And most people are, are in boxing anyway, are all going to get the Triple G. This fight, McGregor uh, Mayweather will not, will not uh, hurt. Uh, the Canelo uh, Triple G fight in any way, no. shape, or form. No. But uh, thanks, uh, Joel, and uh, make your plans now. Drop me an email. I'll give you the uh, skinny. Uh, bring a couple of your friends. You'll have a great time, right, Sal? Absolutely, Joel. Come on, eat my food here. We're gonna have some great events, and we're gonna we're gonna really uh, 
really uh, have a good time. I'm, I'm looking so forward to it, Bill. You know, we didn't really touch too much on what a great time we had last week together. Yeah, well, we're, we're, uh, we're going to uh, wait on that. We're going to talk. Let's let's let, let me mute you. So, <laughs> we're going to we're, we're uh, talk about that tomorrow. But we got some uh, as we're running out of time already. I got I'm just trying to get a couple of more emails out of the way. Uh, this one's from Johnson. This is a good one. Uh, he says, hey, Billy C. and Sal, six days ago on, uh, he, he wrote this yesterday, six days ago on June 15th, my son, Louis J. Brown, was born. He was weighing in at six pounds. He had to spend a couple of days in the intensive care unit, uh, but he was finally discharged on Father's Day. L.J. Brown now goes 1-0 with one knockout after he uh. made light work of the ICU. Uh, watch out for this rising star from southeast London, England. Johnston, who's also a contributor uh, to our website, congratulations on your son. Uh, I'm yes, glad sir. to hear uh, uh, he is doing well, and uh, you are right. Uh, he starts off uh, his young life at 1-0 uh, and oh with one knockout. And uh, my granddaughter, That's is uh, five. her birthday was uh, on the 20th, so uh, we'll, I'll, I'll be able to remember your son's birthday pretty easily. He says, I managed to catch up with all the fights over the weekend uh, between feeds. Uh, really disappointed with Kovalev, but I think Tony Weeks could have uh, given him an eight count before stopping the fight. Not sure what your opinions were on this, as I haven't managed to catch up with the show. Uh, I did see that Rigondeaux-Flores fight might have been changed to a no contest, which would be the right call if the Flores, uh, his outrageous play acting, is another one that thinks that that was uh, an act. He says, I think uh, he may have had the Andre Durrell and Jose uh, guy fight fresh in the memory bank, or maybe he was hoping for the nomination for the next Ox Oscars. Keep up the good work. I look forward to seeing you uh, and Sal. Uh, have your uh, up your see what you and Sal have up your sleeves after your week off. Well, yeah. uh, we appreciate that, and uh, we do uh, got some stuff. But I, I tell you something, Sal. Um, I uh, I'm surprised that so many people think that that was uh, an act. Maybe maybe it was. I I don't know. Maybe I it was. I, I thought that he again. legitimately got hurt, but maybe now that I'm thinking of it, maybe it was the way he crumbled down behind Vic Draculich. I'll have to watch that. Yeah, you know, okay. but uh, anyway, I got one. We got time for one more email. Uh, so uh, tomorrow, so I, we got other emails from my man Rick, uh, from my man John and and Barry and Jeffrey. Uh, I appreciate uh, everyone uh, continuing to emails. We will catch up with all of them tomorrow on tomorrow's show. We will uh, uh, definitely catch up on all the emails, so we'll be up to date. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns. Uh, uh, please feel free to drop us an email, Billy at Talkin' Boxing. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G dot com. And then Friday we'll open up the phone line so, uh, uh, you know, you can call in. But I got one more. This is from my man Mitch. His subject, Sal, says rumor mill. He says, here's what I'm hearing. He says, Kovalev is going to fire John David Jackson. I, you know what? Why? You know, we heard this rumor before. John David Jackson wasn't the guy in there uh, not being aggressive and stuff. I mean, I, you know what? I, you know what? I don't care to hear anything more about Kovalev. You know what? He he lost, and he uh, can't whine about it now. I expected a different fighter from him that night. I thought he'd be intense. I thought there would be some emotion. I thought there would be that, that uh, relentless attack and uh, the 
die and do and die kind of mentality. I didn't see any of that. All I saw was he was looking for a way for the referee to stop the fight, and that's what he got. So, you know what? Turn the page. I don't want to even hear it. Well, I agree with you. I think that uh, Ward uh, talked, I mean, uh, Kovalev talked all that smack, didn't live up to it. Ward said he was going to stop Kovalev and did it. You know, so listen, the the whole thing of, of smack talk and all of that, I've always said, and I've maintained, if you're going to talk smack, you got to back it up. I don't like Andre Ward, but he backed it up. He did what he said he, he was going to do. He deserves the credit. Kovalev's got to stop his crying. And I, you know what? I, I agree with you. I don't even care to see him anymore. He uh, no, not only let uh, you know all of his fans down, but he kind of let the sport down a little bit because he, he kept, I'm going to kick his ass. Oh, I'm going to show. I was I was Sergey Kovalev in the last fight. This fight, I'm going to be the crusher. Well, I got news for you. I'd rather fight. If if that was the crusher, I'd rather fight the crusher than, than Kovalev <laughs> because Kovalev in the first fight looked way better than he did in the second. So uh, anyway, uh, firing John David Jackson uh, doesn't make any sense. Uh, my man Mitch says he's also in talks with Top Rank to sign with them. They just signed Brian Jennings. He says, uh, so far, so good. Um, you know, again, you know, why is a fighter going to turn around and blame, uh, you know, main events is the promoter of Kovalev. They've done a decent job promoting him. You know, the problem was is that they dealt with Andre Ward. Andre Ward is a diva. Rock Nation has no business even being in the sport. And uh, Kathy Duva should have turned her back and said, forget it. We'll go after Stevenson and uh, make this kid money, Kovalev. Instead, they signed a, a terrible deal. We're working on 75% of the pay-per-view, uh, which was ridiculous. The pay-per-view is terrible numbers. And, uh, you know, hey, Kovalev made the decision to agree to that. So, uh, you know, hey, he's going to sign main. He's going to fire main events. He's going to fire his, his, his trainer. You know, bottom line is uh, look in the mirror, Sergi. Uh, anyway, he says, going to uh, say, look in the mirror. Yeah. You're 100% true. Bill. Yeah. 100%. He says, uh, I'm not sure about the top rank Kovalev thing because Kathy Duva hinted that Sergi was going to fight in November, that he had a current contract with HBO, whether he won or lost to fight <laughs> again in November. Uh, he says, uh, we now know Manny Pacquiao's fight's going to be on ESPN. That's great. No pay-per-view. Uh, he says, uh, here's some major news, though. This is still rumor. But uh, as well as the John David Daxon thing, he says, supposedly Terrence Crawford's unification bout and rematch between Lomachenko and Salido will also air on ESPN. If that happens, you guys need to shake hands or drop a phone call to the old man. He's referring to Bob Arum. He said this will even things up. It gives Golden Boy and Top Rank the ESPN and ABC platforms. Things are about to heat up. Well, let me tell you something. You know, I, I, I look at it this way, Sal. ESPN, because they stopped doing their Friday night fights and because the deal that they had with, uh, uh, with the premier boxing champions fell flat on its face, they seem to have some extra revenue floating around for boxing. So I think this is a smart move by ESPN. They already have the deal with Golden Boy uh, to put on the fights once a month or whatever it is. And to pick up a few of these big fights and put it on ESPN, I think that's a home run. What's your quick thoughts? Yeah, I think you're 100% right, Bill. I agree with you 100%, pal. I think it's a good thing, and uh, we'll see what they can deliver. Once again, we benefit, my man. We benefit. We do. But uh, anyway, uh, so, yeah, tomorrow uh, we will uh, be reading uh, the emails, like I said, from uh, my man Barry and Jeffrey and Rick and John. 
uh, I feel like a romper room. I see <laughs> Jeffrey and Victor and John. But, uh, yeah, we'll be doing that. We apologize we didn't get to it. We uh, were off last week. Uh, well, we weren't off, but we weren't doing the show. And uh, we were working on some great things that we're going to uh, uh, be announcing. Uh, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll start announcing the stuff on tomorrow's show. So uh, we'll give you guys a, a big uh, uh, briefing on what Sal and I worked on. It was a, a lot of fun. And uh, we'll be available very soon uh, on the television platforms that we're on. So uh, we're excited about that. And we'll give you some more information about our big event uh, in St. Simons at Seapalms Resort uh, on August 25th and 26th. It's going to be a two-day event. And uh, we hope all of you uh, come down. It's a great time to come down uh, with you and a buddy or bring the family. You know, Seapalms is a great place. And St. Simons... Uh, uh, I know now why Sal uh, moved there. Uh, if I had Sal's money, I would move down there too, you know, but uh, <coughs> I uh, don't. So I'm stuck here in the mountains uh, of, uh, of New York. But uh, anyway, Sal, on this day, June 21st in 1932, Sal graduated from college. All right, Jesus, Sal. I oh, did. no, no, no. That, that wasn't you. That wasn't you. Uh, on this day in 1932, Jack Shockey wins a 15-round split decision over Max Schmeling to win the world heavyweight title. That took place in New York on this day in 1932. On this day in 1997, Nana Kanadu knocks out Vera Paul Sharapran in the second round to win the WBA World Bantamweight title, and that took place in Bangkok. And finally, on this day, June 21st in 1997, Charles Brewer knocks out Gary Ballard in the fifth round to win the vacant IBF World Super Middleweight title, and that took place in Tampa, Florida on this day uh, in 1997. Hey, Sal, that concludes uh, our show for today. Uh, I'm excited about telling everyone uh, what we're working on and what we have worked on tomorrow. Absolutely. Uh, we did have a good time, right? We did have a good time. We had some good food, and uh, you saw the crew, and the crew saw you, and we had a good time. We're going to relive that in August, too. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that, and uh, I want you guys to start uh, making your plans. Drop me an email, Billy at Talkin Boxing. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. I can give you a heads up on some pricing, or you can just go to our website, BillyCBoxing.com, and click on the CPOMS banner, which is right there on the right-hand side, and uh, give them a call. Mention the Billy C. Boxing event in August, and they can give you uh, the pricing and information on it. But uh, if you want to get a quick uh, uh, you know, description, just drop me an email. But uh, anyway, uh, what, Sal? You're raising your hand. I got to do the close here. Well, go ahead. What? What? <laughs> Thank you, Bill, for acknowledging my hand. Well, hurry up. You're running out of time. You're killing me. <laughs> I here. feel like I'm back in school. Yes, teacher. Billy, just just tell me. Because I, 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 you know I'm passionate about what I do, about cooking and about making food. And I poured my heart into that pizza I made you. How good was that pizza I made you? I just got off the toilet still from that. What are you kidding? No, that, it was great, man. It was great. You know, unfortunately, you really wanted me to try to uh, – uh, the baccio cheese, you know, and uh, I, I, I didn't. But, uh, hey, that's why I waited for you to make it, my man. It, it, I, I tell people the same story over and over. When I first, and, I, and I'll tell you real quick, even though we're out of time. I, when I first met Sal, we met, uh, you know, 
before we met in person, Sal's telling me, oh, I got this pizzeria. Oh, it's in, when I'm like, oh, yeah, where, where is it? He's oh, in Georgia. I said, Georgia. He said, I make the best pizza. I said, oh, yeah, 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 right. And I'm saying to myself, I'm, I'm rolling my eyes going, yeah, right, Georgia. You know, ah. so finally I had a, you know, you know, went down and met Sal in person uh, all those years ago. And, uh, uh, you know, as soon as I walked in, he, he had the pizza. He knew. He kept asking me, oh, what do you like? You know, I said, well, I judge pizza by uh, plain, you know. And uh, Jeez, so he, uh, he hands me the pizza. And from the very first bite, I just was like, oh, my God. Then he tells me the reason. Number one, it's all his family's recipe. Number two, he gets a, a, a pizza oven dismantled and shipped from New York down to St. Simon. Number three, he gets all his ingredients from Italy, you know. And number four, the humidity and the water must be so similar to New York in St. Simon's that he puts out a fantastic pie. But it goes deeper than that. His whole restaurant is good. So you guys will see that. And I will say, because I know Alex just finished his uh, uh, his uh, segment here. Alex Papali, he too told me that there was great pizza in uh, Connecticut. And I laughed my ass off at him too. And then I, the doorbell rings one day and a box uh, appears and three pizzas from uh, from Alex's favorite place. And I have to admit, Sal and Alex are in my top three pizza that I've ever eaten in my life. Uh, and wow. the first, uh, well, not in any particular order, but the other one uh, was a place called King Pizza and it was in uh, Elmsford, New York. But anyway, make sure you tune in tomorrow morning. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby.